and welcome into And We're Back. It is S1E1, as they say in the TV world. Um, getting back into the podcasting game. Um, it's been a long time, and a lot's happened in my life since um, I stopped regularly podcasting um, probably five, six years ago now. But um, I-, I wanted to have some fun, and, and you know, I've been missing sort of an outlet to... Um, uh, talk about sports, and we'll dive into what this show is going to be um, a little bit here uh, before we jump into the the bulk of the content. Um, but uh, for those who don't know, uh, my name is Brady Stiff. I am born and raised in the Chicagoland suburbs. I've spent uh, the great part of my life here um, in the Chicagoland suburbs, Chicago sports fan. Uh, my original career path out of college was in radio and did that for a while before um, sort of deciding that I needed to grow up and get a big boy job. Um, not that the radio thing couldn't have happened. I, I probably could have, um, you know, um, pursued that a little bit further, but just the way things shook out, um, you know, I decided to, uh, take a more traditional, uh, I don't know if you'd call it even traditional, but, um, the, the career path I chose was not in radio, uh, no regrets really, but I do miss, um, radio business. So, I work now for a marketing company, um, had been in, in uh, sales, like cold calling sales, uh, recently transitioned into a role where focused on training new hires and education and, and continued coaching. So um, w- one of the reasons I took the job that I have now uh, or with the company I have, I'm with now, I should say, is I, I wanted to I wanted a, a chance to further professionally grow and, uh, you know, opportunity to move up in the world. So um, you know, mission accomplished so far, uh, with, with that job. So, um, and we can talk about marketing and, um, uh, what I've learned in my two plus years now at a, at a digital marketing firm. And, um, I guess I shouldn't shy away from saying the company I work for, I work for logical position, um, companies based out of Portland, Oregon, uh, but, uh, here in the Chicagoland area, uh, there's a, a satellite office, and I've been with the company for now just over two years, and uh, the company's doing big things. So um, this is an interesting time, as I should have turned my phone on vibrate, but um, it's certainly an interesting time to be launching a sports podcast uh, with all that's going on in the world and, and in here in the United States. Sitting there earlier this week, I'm recording on Saturday the 9th, uh, day before Bears and Saints, which we'll get to later. Um, But formulating the plan for this show earlier this week um, on Wednesday, as um, we know what happened uh, in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol and, um, you know, sitting there in the basement formulating the plan for the show and and starting to get the the nuts and bolts together as Congress is working to confirm uh, the next president with the electoral votes and the possibility of the current sitting president being removed from office. So interesting time. to launch a sports podcast, but here we are. Why not? Um, you know, usually this time of year, December, January, February, um, I'm off after work to a different high school in the area every night working, refereeing um, high school basketball. Um, that's not happening as of now, and uh, it seems like every week more and more of the season is canceled, and, and frankly, I, I don't think we're going to have a, a high school basketball season, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, I'd rather hit the reset button and and make sure that you know we, we are responsible uh, because basketball and and everything that's involved with basketball doesn't seem like the the safest thing that that could be happening out there and it sucks it sucks for the kids it sucks for the coaches 
you know, it's a lot of, you know, from a personal perspective, a lot of extra income that is being missed out on. But um, when you take a look at the big picture in the grand scheme, um, you know, it's okay. You know, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather take this season off and, and, and be okay and make sure the kids are okay. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for a lot of people. Um, but we have to, we have to heed science. We have to heed, um, you know, what the experts are saying. And, and, you know, there's, there's this argument that we have to find a way to do it, even though, well, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think, I think this year we, we take this year off and, and, and move forward into next year. Okay, anyways, um, what is this show going to be? Um, primarily sports, uh, because that's, that's my biggest interest level. Um, that's, that's what, that was my original career path was sports radio, and still the thing I'm most interested in is the world of sports. Um, you know, a huge Cubs fan, Bears fan, not so much into the NBA, but uh, I want to be able to talk about it as well. Um, Indiana Hoosiers, uh, I went to Indiana University, and um, as you'll find out later on in, in this show, uh, still very much a fan of, of Indiana University sports. Um, but we, I want to talk about other things too. You know, my, my previous podcast was aimed at getting me a job in the radio business or, you know, getting myself more exposure. So I was focused on, you know, practicing my craft and, and, um, you know, enticing a, a program director. And hey, if if Mitch Rosen at the score or somebody at ESPN Radio uh, hears this and says, "Hey, that that kid's pretty good," and offers me a full time job in a major drive time uh, day part, then sure, I'd consider it. But the the unlikely nature of that happening, uh, we're just going to try to have some fun here. Um, talk about sports. I want to talk to you know different um, different people in different subject matters within the world of sports. What, what I want to do, and, and we'll see how, how well this is going to go, um, I want to talk to other podcasters. I want to talk to people like myself who are doing a podcast because they like to do it um, and talk about you know their, their subject matter. Like, like uh, later on in this show, we'll talk to Galen Clavio uh, about Indiana University sports. He hosts a podcast. Uh, that I listen to regularly and, and does a great job covering IU sports. So that, that's what I want that to be from the sports perspective. I also want to talk to other people in different walks of life. I want to I want to talk to entrepreneurs. I talked with a friend last night who owns her own business. Uh, I told her I'm going to have her on at some point. Uh, talk about the challenges of of owning a, a young business through a global pandemic and what what her challenges have been and how her life has changed over the past year. Um, a friend of mine, a softball teammate of mine, I, I, I went on his podcast um, a while ago, and I want to return the favor. He's one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Um, so we'll, we'll have him on at some point. Um, and whatever else comes up, you know, it's uh, sports, sports gambling, video games, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, whatever that word is, um, whatever comes up, I, whatever I'm interested in, um, you know, I, I want to be able to talk about it. So um, before we jump into the interviews that I had recorded uh, for uh, for today's show, uh, I've got two of them, uh, one on Bears and Saints and one on Indiana University. Um, uh, a little bit of news came actually just as I was recording with, with Galen here this morning. Um, big news for Cubs fans um, who were hopeful that Kyle Schwarber might return to the Cubs. That is not going to happen. Uh, Kyle Schwarber signing a one-year $10 million deal with the Washington Nationals. 
Um, and it, there may actually be some more Cubs news coming down today. At least that's the rumor from a, uh, a prominent Twitter follow uh, that I have who seems to be pretty tied in with um, with uh, with the Cubs and, and everything going on there. So Cubs fans, keep your ears open. Of course, by the time you hear this, that, that news may have dropped, which we can talk about um, on the next show. Uh, briefly, um, my thoughts on the Cubs and, and what is going on there at Wrigley. Um, with the U Darvish trade with Victor Caratini and, and the Padres uh, signaled to me that they have acknowledged that the window is closing and now, frankly, closed with, um, you know, trading your, your best pitcher away. Um, and now Kyle Schwarber's gone. They non-tendered him. He didn't come back. What else is going to happen? Is it going to be Chris Bryant? Is it going to be Wilson Contreras? Lots lots to happen still, and, and really the Cubs are... Uh, acknowledging the fact that hey we're not a World Series contender anymore, we've got to we've got to start over, um, and and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm upset that and disappointed that you know this this core and, and this this group really only produced one championship. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, 2016 was the greatest thing that's ever happened from a Cubs fan perspective, and I don't want to take that for granted, but. You know, th- this team was set up for a lot more. This team was had such a young core with Schwarber and Bryant. Um, Rizzo a little bit older, but still, you know, on the younger side, especially five years ago now, if we want to talk in, in season terms. Um, you know, the uh, good pitching. John Lester coming here is maybe the greatest free agent signing in certainly Cubs history and, and maybe Chicago sports history. Marion Hosa would have something to say about that, but... Um, you know, brought the Cubs a championship, you know, maybe maybe faster than originally planned. At least 2015 happened faster than originally planned. But, um, you know, I, I think I think it's it's good that the Cubs have recognized that they're not a true contender for a World Series and they have to do something about it. Right. Theo moves on. Jed takes over and we'll see what we'll see what else happens here. I hope th- that if this big news that's supposedly maybe coming down today if it is a Chris Bryant trade, if it is a Wilson Contreras trade, uh, they need to restock the farm system. We need to we need to see Jed Hoyer make a concerted effort to restock the farm system with young talent, young arms, young bats, and we need to. What happened? What happened with Theo is he tore it down and built it back up so quickly that maybe we were spoiled a little bit, and I want that to happen again. But I think I think Jed needs to just be honest with us and, and with himself and, and, you know, decide what his true intentions are. These rebuilds on the fly never work. Right. You, you try to you try to compete while also rebuilding. And that just never works. You find yourself in the middle of the pack and it just delays the inevitable, which is a full teardown. And if that's what they decide to do, OK, because it worked out so well the last time and Jed Hoyer was involved in that. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but again, the big news of the day so far is that Kyle Schwarber to the Nationals for $10 million on one contract. Bears and Saints tomorrow, NFL playoffs starting today, uh, just about an hour from kickoff here as I'm recording. Uh, Bills and Colts to start off the day should be a lot of fun. Uh, national championship game on Monday, Ohio State and Alabama. That should be a lot of fun based on the way Ohio State tore apart Clemson um, just a week ago. So, uh, lots to lots to talk about, lots to watch here this weekend. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun football weekend, no doubt. Wildcard weekend is always fun, and uh, whatever happens tomorrow with Bears and Saints, lots to discuss on the Bears. 
We'll get into that with Mark Carmen here in just a minute. Uh, just again, Mark Carmen, uh, fan sided and WGN Radio. Talk to him about Bears and Saints and some radio COVID stuff and media COVID stuff and and you know a little bit about about what he's got going on. And then I mentioned Galen Clavio. Uh, he is the host of Crimson Cast, which you can find. We'll talk about where to find uh, Crimson Cast if you are so inclined. Um, to listen to some content on Indiana athletics. So we'll take a quick timeout and we'll get to Mark Carmen on Bears and Saints. Hey guys, I uh, just wanted to take a few seconds and, and tell you a little bit about Anchor, which is the uh, the podcasting platform that uh, that I've chosen to use here for hosting uh, for hosting this show. Um, a few different points about Anchor and why it's um, you know a great pro- uh, great podcasting platform. First of all, it's free, completely free to use. Um, and I know there's some other platforms out there that have different pricing structures, but Anchor is 100% free. Uh, there's some pretty cool creation tools that uh, you. I mean, you can record your podcast straight from your phone or your computer. I've got my laptop here, but you can record it straight from your phone. You can edit it from your phone. Uh, it really could not be easier to do it if you're not, you know, audio technically savvy. Um, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. They'll get it on Spotify. They'll get it on iTunes or Apple or whatever it's called these days. Uh, Apple Podcast, I think, is is the official name, but. Um, yeah, they'll distribute it for you, so you don't have to worry about um, posting it time and time again. Um, and the best part is you can actually make money from your podcast with uh, with no minimum listenership. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. In a 35-yard drive, good snap, good hold, ball game. Saints win it in overtime, 26-23. Highlights courtesy of Fox as the Saints and Bears getting ready to rematch here in week one of the NFL playoffs. What is it? What are they calling it, Carm? Super NFL weekend or super wild card weekend, right? I mean, it's wild card weekend still to me, Brady. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, I didn't know it had a cool new nickname, so I got to bone up on that. My that's, bad. That's what they're calling it now because they have this extra game right the, uh-huh. now we have seven teams from each conference in the playoffs um so instead of the normal six we get an extra game on on wild card weekend so yeah i guess we can call it normal wild card weekend but to your point it's still just you know wild card weekend we just get no, that extra you're, game you're right though i, I super wild card weekend is the actual <laughs> terminology we need to get that straight it is super it's it's outstanding it's i mean this is this is it's one more game well it's two more games overall i get it this well, is all yeah, I, yeah. listen Bears. Let's get let's get an upset brewing here, Brady. Is that what we're going to talk about? Why the Bears are going to win? Yeah, absolutely. And let, let me give you the full introduction here. He is Mark Carmen, uh, host extraordinaire for WGN Radio in Chicago. And uh, Carmen, I reached out to you uh, just last night. Actually, uh, we're recording on Thursday ahead of this Bears and Saints game. But um, you know, I, I told you I wanted to take this back to my roots. You know, um, this is the this is the first podcast back for me. Uh, doing this sort of thing again, and um, you were the first one who gave me a shot in Chicago radio, so I wanted to have you on, and um, not just to reminisce, but also talk talk Bears and Saints. So the way I remember the start of your career, Brady, is that you and Neil Malone—that's right, yep—were were both coming out of Indiana. Yep, yep. And I was in charge of hiring the interns at that time. I was producing Cap Show and. Mm-hmm. Dave Bennett was the sports director and he was gracious enough to allow me to hire the interns because 
they worked mostly with me. Dave worked mornings and the interns would do a lot of games and work on cap show at night. Right. And Dave shockingly trusted me to hire. I think it was, <laughs> normally we would have one, but I think we hired both you guys. Cause I couldn't like decide between the two of you. Cause you were both so damn talented. Is that, is that how you remember it? I'm amazed that I made the cut then because I was like a radio novice compared to Neil. Neil, Neil did four years. I think um, if I remember correctly, Neil did four years or at least multiple years of, of college radio. I really only had one year of, of college radio experience. I didn't even know what Adobe Audition was, Carm. Well, see, I, I just saw the talent, Brady, and you're a man after my <laughs> own heart. I didn't, do, I didn't do one year of college radio. I did one update on uh, whatever the Iowa Hawkeye station is, K-R-U-I or whatever the hell it was. Um, you know, So I wasn't holding that I was going to have a radio career until I got out of college. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And, <laughs> oh, if I can get an internship, I get to be in the locker room and see Michael Jordan. Well, that sounds sweet. Let me try that path. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially in this city. You know, I, I always told people, like, um, having an internship in Chicago at a station like WGN was both a blessing and a curse, right? Um, because starting out as an intern, you get to learn at a huge, iconic, um, you know, heritage radio station. You get to learn from the best of the biz and, and work with some amazing people and, and work with the best, you know, equipment. And then, you know, if, if you have to move away from Chicago to a small radio station, perhaps in suburban Wisconsin or suburban Milwaukee with uh, radio equipment from the 1970s, it's, it's quite a it's quite a, um, a change. Right. So it's a blessing to be able to learn under those those circumstances, but then it's a curse when you have to go elsewhere and you don't get the same advantages. Right. And at WGN, if I may, we, at least at that time, for sure, made you feel like you were very important. Like you're in, like we, you were thrown right in the mix because you were working with Carmen who didn't exactly want to do everything <laughs> on the production side. No. And then, so you're, you know, you're, you're right into the fire. Uh, and it would be the same now too, by the way, but there's just internships have gone, have changed a whole lot over time. But, and then it's like, okay, this was a lot of fun. Now I, I actually have to figure out how to have a career in this thing, which is pretty damn daunting. Right, right. And we, we'll, to this day for the record. <laughs> well, you've stayed for a long time at, at WGN, a stop in Kansas City. And uh, weren't you in Houston for a while too? I was. I, I stayed. Uh, you entered what year, Brady? Uh, my internship was 09. Okay. So I left GN in 09, August of 09, and um, went to Kansas City for two years. Then I was in Houston for a year and then came back to GN in 13 uh, with as a sidekick on the David Kaplan show at night. And I've been hanging around ever since in some capacity. So, and it hasn't kicked you out yet. No. And, you know, just for, for the record, for, for all my fan sided peeps, I mean, fa you know, I fan sided is my full time job and mm -hmm. I the video host over there and the podcast of Windy Cities from over there. So I, that's that's really my main gig. And, you know, I, I do as much as I, they let me do at WGN, which, of course, I, you know, I, I, I love, love, love. So it, it's a uh, it's a combination for me, but uh, fan said it's full time, baby. Nice. So excellent, anyway. excellent. We'll uh, yeah. we'll we'll dive into some radio industry stuff uh, on the backside here, but uh, definitely want to get to the the main topic at hand, and that is Bears and Saints. Somehow the Bears back into the playoffs, and they get a rematch with Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. This time in New Orleans. Um, 
you know, Carm, uh, that game was halfway through the season, right? Bears losing at home in overtime. Uh, it was all, it was a minute and a half away from being a tie game. Um, aside from the quarterback position, right? Nick Foles was the quarterback in that game. Mitchell Trubisky will be under center on Sunday. Um, what else is different with this Bears team from week eight to, we'll call it week 17 now? So it's a great question. And well, for here, aside from the quarterback, but it, it's hard to even get away from that because I think Mitchell Trubisky, at least up until last week, Brady, since he had come back from being injured against the Saints and also from being benched in week three, I mean, I thought he was a different player. Unfortunately, that different player did not show up against the Packers. So that that's concerning that as the lights got a little brighter and the competition got tougher, he reverted back to being the 10 that we've seen many, many, many times that's not going to be enough to carry you past a team as good as New Orleans or be a key cog in it. But the other thing that's, you know, things that have improved since then, I mean, the offensive line has, you know, gone under a major transformation to the point that I almost wonder now, like, would they be better uh, if Nick Foles was quarterback in this team? I know people don't want to hear that at all, and and it's not going to happen, and I'm probably wrong, but he did not have the benefit of Sam Mustafer at center. He did not have the benefit of Alex Barr's playing uh, a solid, doing a solid job at guard. Um, so they've, they've, they've actually become a very high functioning offensive line, which has opened things up for David Montgomery. That's different too. The bears are way more effective at running the football now. So there is some level of reason for optimism here in, in my mind, but the problem is New Orleans has gotten better. Their defense is continues to get more and more formal each week. So you're you're dealing with a Saints team that's improving, going up on a Bears team that 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 has gotten better. But you know there, we 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 do have a gap here. I think uh, clearly that everybody knows, and that's why the Saints are the biggest favorite going into the Super Wild Card weekend. <laughs> and and I'm th- beginning to think the Bears are just going to get killed. I hope I'm wrong. But I've gone back and forth on this, by the way. So I'll probably maybe I'll feel different tomorrow. Well, there's some injury concerns now with the Bears. Yeah. Just, I, I popped onto um, um, Brad Big's Twitter feed uh, just before just before you and I got on here together, just to see if I had missed anything. And um, Allen Robinson missed practice today. Um, let's see who else missed practice. I, I have that pulled up here. Um, or I'm on, I have I'm, it on, too. I'm on Grody's feed. Um, so here, let's see. Here. I, I have it right here. Mooney, Patterson, Mooney, that was the Screen, other big one, yeah. Roquan Smith, all missed practice today. I, um, that's interesting that uh, Allen, Allen Robinson. The, I is, mean, the is Bears that interest, new? Yeah, the Bears' interest is long, man. I, yeah. uh, Allen was not. Allen was listed with a hamstring. Um, he was full yesterday. Did not participate today. So um, I don't know if that. I'm assuming that's precautionary. But I the big thing so. is here is that Roquan's not going to play. I mean, right. Most, that's what the reporting is. And I don't know who Kerry Woods is, who was out there on Sunday, but good, I mean, that guy did not distinguish himself. He's a, at he's all. a tall, lanky righty with a big curveball. That's who he is. Right. But he can't play linebacker. <laughs> right. and, 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 and that's a problem. Um, so Roquan's, you know, this is, look, the Bears need everything going for them, not, not missing uh, their best linebacker. So that's just, that's too bad. Back to this offensive line thing. Um, you know, I've, I've maintained that. Uh, while Mitch may not be good, he's not the biggest problem. He hasn't been given the ultimate chance to succeed because the offensive line's been so bad. 
But now that the offensive line has been more or less figured out, or at least, you know, given being given a passing grade these days, being able to run the ball, being able to, to pass protect, you know, they've moved the pocket, et cetera. Where do you stand on, on Mitch? Like, uh, obviously contract is up this year. They chose not to pick up the option. Um, where do you stand on Mitch going forward? Are we looking at a franchise tag? Are we looking at Deshaun Watson maybe coming in now? I mean, wh- where, where do you stand on, on the quarterback? Well, I don't stand. I think I sit and uh, maybe even hide underneath the table. But I would make Mitch a reasonable slash low ball offer. And if he has nothing better out there, then I would consider bringing him back and then figure out what to do with Nick Foles along with drafting a quarterback. But I do, there is part of me, Brady, that still slightly believes that if he ends up in the right system, that if a guy like Bill Belichick, for instance, sees something in him, then maybe he can be turned into a top 15 to 20 quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't bet on it. The, there's something upstairs that's not firing as fast as it needs to fire to be an elite quarterback in this league. It's, he, he's just – He's a step behind, and it's not like he's, you know, that elite at any at, at everything else, where you can have some serious confidence that he's going to ever become, you know, anywhere close to a star in the league. Right. But I like I, him. I like him as a guy, Brady. Like I think, like I, you know, he's a good dude. He's a nice Mitchell Trubisky. I root for him. I just don't think he's very good. When things go well, he can wear the light up Christmas sweater to the press conference, and right. everybody loves him. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I mean, he. And I think like like his teammates appreciate him. That's worth something to me. But uh, again, you know, this is not show friends. It's show business. And yeah, I think the Bears. I think everybody knows the Bears need to find their their quarterback. Yeah, it's um, it's it's the most important position in sports, right? If you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have a good team. At least at least a good offense. So I always get confused by those comments, like smart sports radio guys. It's the most important position in sports. <laughs> is, it, is it like how important is a goalie? How important is uh, a point guard in the NBA? I get it. It's a very, very important position. Uh, but it's sometimes I think people say that to like, we could debate that till we're blue in the face. Just like right. you know, right. the other, the other comparison I don't get is like saying um, someone like uh, Khalil Mack is a better football player than Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think you can can compare apples and oranges like that, right? Two totally different positions, different skill sets. Can you really compare apples and oranges like that? To say I, I agree. One is a better and, football and, player than the other. Yeah, that's hard to make any sense out of that. And if the Houston Texans want to trade Deshaun Watson and and they want Khalil Mack along with multiple first round picks, I'm in. Let's go, Houston. Hey, you know, after after Ryan Pace passed up on both Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think in the moment, even we all knew that or had a had a feeling that this might go wrong. Um, is is Ryan Pace potentially coming back with some egg on his face after trading for Deshaun Watson? Like, what what do you think Ryan Pace's mentality is, especially if he reads some article that says the Bears are the betting favorite to get Deshaun Watson? Well, see, I don't know how many times you've made bad decisions in life, Brady, but I've made a ton of them, <laughs> and probably 17 just today. So the key in life is not how many times you fall down, but how quickly you get back up. And, yes, we blew it. The Bears blew it with Trubisky, and 
not getting Watson and or Mahomes. But if you can stand back up and right that wrong, even if it costs you multiple picks and whatever else, I don't hate it. It's uh, it would be a very bold move to whoever does it. But if if Deshaun Watson is truly available, uh, that that's a gamble we're taking, even if uh, it doesn't look great on the surface. Well, we've all, and we've always talked about oh, what if what if we had drafted Watson or Mahomes? But I'm not sure I'd have the confidence in the Bears organization to not screw that up royally. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is definitely the worst of the three. But do you have any confidence in the Bears organization that they would have been able to develop and or build around Watson or Mahomes? It is interesting. Like if he doesn't, if, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the offensive brilliance of Andy Reid and if he's not playing with Tyreek Hill and he doesn't have uh, Travis Kelsey, whatever, does it look a whole lot different? Maybe, maybe. But I, I, I like to think that uh, we're not that dysfunctional of an organization. I mean, Walter Payton got here and ended up as the all-time leading rusher. Sure. We didn't mess that up. So, look, if you get an elite player, it's hard to screw it up. The cream's going to rise to the top. I, would he be as dynamic? Would he have won a Super Bowl already and have been the MVP of the league like Mahomes has been? Probably not. But I think, you know, I don't think they'd come here and, and, and suck. Uh, that's, sure. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. Sure. Let's uh, let's touch on, uh, on the Saints a little bit here. Uh, Alvin Kamara's been out with some COVID issues. Um, six touchdowns the last time he was on the field on Christmas Day. Uh, I believe we, that was against Minnesota. Uh, what, what are you expecting we get out of the working-from-home Alvin Kamara? Hard to have any real idea, but my guess, considering how COVID has affected uh, at least a lot of people, they come back, they're fine. He's Maybe he's got... Uh, you know, I don't know what level of workout he's been able to do. Obviously, he's not at the facility, but I would assume he's still keeping himself in shape. NFL players tend to look, and college football players, look a lot better once their bodies get rested. So he's getting a good bunch of time off here. Uh, I don't think the Bears can feel remotely confident that they're going to be getting a bad Alvin Kamara on sure. Sunday. I would expect, I would expect a good one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the Bears' defense was able to force a good amount of field goal attempts from the Saints, who are usually very good at, at punching the ball in the end zone, especially with, with Drew Brees and what they can do with Taysom Hill. Um, I, I got to think, though, Carm, that if, if there's any combo in the league, coach and, and, and quarterback, Sean Payton and Drew Brees are as good as any at figuring out what went wrong the first time and what they're going to do differently this time. Yeah, and Drew's old, man. I, I mean, I think, you know, most people think he's going to retire at the end of the year. I would be in that camp as well. So I don't – listen, and fractured ribs, collapse, lung, you know, 11 fractured ribs, not just, you know, I mean – Right. It's, he got you know, beat this, up this year. He, I mean, he got the crap kicked out of him. So, I mean, he missed four games. Uh, since he's been back, his completion percentage is decent, but it's not elite. I mean, it's hovering around 60%. Uh, six touchdowns, three interceptions. Quarterback rating is less than 100. He's, you know, he's got plenty of weapons around him. I, I don't – I mean, it, it's not like I'm excited to go against Drew Brees, but this is not the this is not 2010 Drew Brees here. So, sure. Uh, you know, I, and, and maybe you can get to him, although the Bears getting to the quarterback has been a problem. Yes, it has, and and you know the the defense re defensive regression, I guess, 
we'll call it over over the course of the season was was something I, I wanted to bring up as well. Do do you feel like the defense is just tired after 16 games, especially with let's call it the first two thirds of the season, the offense really not holding up their end of the bargain, not being able to move the ball. Um, I'd be curious to know the. Um, it's probably something I could look up, uh, but I just thought of it now. So, um, like the the ratio of, of time of possession over the, the the entire season, like how how much was the defense on the field compared to the offense? Yeah, that, that's an excellent question. Um, but you know, I think the biggest thing though, Brady, is that they they don't get to the quarterback particularly well. And when the defense was great in 2018, and they went 12 and four, they got takeaways. This year. They're 25th in the league in takeaways. They've got they've gotten 18 of them, 10 interceptions, eight fumbles. Um, I don't know where Eddie Jackson has been all season long. He certainly hasn't been hitting anyone, and, and for some reason, you know, he can't get a, get his. He has not gotten his hand on enough balls, let alone catch any. So right, uh, I, there is. I think it's kind of fool's gold, if you will, to even to think that they can turn it around you know, on the drop of a dime in the playoffs. I mean, I know Khalil Mack's been talking a whole lot this week and he's hearing all the disrespect and yeah, I appreciate that Khalil, but you know, what's true in it, right? A lot's true in, in the disrespect that they're getting. You think Robert Quinn's going to turn it up here on Sunday. And by the way, when you look around the league and see what Leonard Floyd's doing with with the Rams, <laughs> I mean, that's disgusting. So right. uh, I, I don't, you know, changes in the off season, by the way, Chuck Pagano I don't think you're safe, pal. You, no. He has not distinguished himself at all. No, and um, against the Packers, I was like, um, all right, he's going to have to come up with something here because Aaron Rodgers is the best in the business, and he knows the Bears so well. Uh, I, I had no confidence in, uh, and I'm not exactly you know breaking barriers here, but I, I don't think anybody really had any confidence in the Bears stopping Aaron Rodgers, but um, you're with you're without a couple secondary guys and you can't get any pressure on the quarterback, but if you blitz him, he's just going to burn you anyway. So, but uh, yeah, Chuck Pagano is, is, should we call him on the hot seat officially? Like, are we putting him on the, on the level of a Matt Nagy? Like where, where do you stand on Matt Nagy even? I mean, there's, there's just so much to consider here. So it just seems like Nagy's going nowhere and pace is going nowhere. I don't think anyone's getting extensions clearly. Uh, and, but, you know, one thing with, with Nagy, he makes a lot of changes on his coaching staff. So will he continue to rework it? I mean, last year you're getting rid of the special teams coach, the offensive line coach, assistant offense. I mean, he, you know, it was a pretty aggressive end of, the, end of the year. Will he do the same thing this season after going 8-8 eight and eight again? And you listen to him covering for Pagano on the press conference this past week with uh, – Danny Trevathan trying to cover Valdez Scantling. Ugh. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if he, I, I, it's gotta be at least lukewarm that seat. Right. Yeah. I, I would think so. Um, I will say this for Matt Nagy, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is not his quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky was forced upon Matt Nagy. Um, and he really hasn't had a chance to, I mean, unless we're talking about Nick Foles, but we know how that went. Um, you know, he, he hasn't had a chance to, you know, have input on a draft pick and develop. I'm not saying he's going to get that chance, but do you feel like that gives him a little bit of a pass? Not really. I think a great coach is able to take the cards that he's dealt and overachieve. 
at least a little. Yeah. And Nagy has, I, I don't think by any measurement they have the Bears done that, you know? I mean, 18 was nice. You won 12 games. You lost in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they don't win a playoff game this year, that'll be three years that he's been here without a playoff win. Next season, I don't know if you've looked at the schedule in 2021, Brady, but it is a gauntlet. Oh, yeah, the, the quarterbacks they're going to face, out, mean, it, even, even outside of the NFC North. Right, and a lot of tough road games. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm already down the line here. Like, year four, <laughs> they, they don't make the playoffs. This is, this is what we point. do as Bears fans, though. Yeah, so... Uh, and I like Matt Nagy. I, I do. He's a he's a he seems like a fine fellow, and I I think he definitely has created a positive culture there. Minus a couple times this year when it felt like they gave up, um, you know. But right. these things happen in, in in professional sports nowadays. I guess I I I I don't. I, I like him as a cheerleader. He's certainly proven not to be an offensive guru. Um, I, I still think he's not completely aware of what he knows and what he doesn't know, which is a huge flaw in your ability to self-assess, and that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and the, the Bears are notorious for hiring first-time head coaches, right? I mean, this is uh, – I don't know if it's just because they're cheaper or, or what, but when John Fox got here, we were like, oh, my God, this is somebody who has done this before, right? He, he's taken teams deep into the playoffs and to the Super Bowl – um, he was the head coach of the Broncos when they won, right? I'm trying yeah, and, to remember that far back. He took, he went to the, no, listen, John Fox has had a very, had a, had an incredibly impressive career. He went to the Super Bowl with Carolina, right? right? Jake DeLong. Um, yeah. And right. And, uh, you know, he, and he had a long tenure there. I mean, he was there from, for eight years and then, you know, then he goes to Denver and, uh, what he didn't he? I mean, he's winning a playoff game, right? With uh, with with Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, right? right. I Is mean, like two plays into overtime, he wins that game, right? Yeah, if I'm I remembering and, that correctly. Yeah, and so he's. I mean, look, the guy's. Uh, he's won an AFC Championship game. He's won an NFC Championship game. I mean, he's in some pretty elite company. Um, of course, they got smoked in the Super Bowl, but uh, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, they lost the Seahawks 43 to eight. Um, and then with the Panthers, I forget exactly what that Super Bowl, what, how that finished up. Uh, oh, they lost, they lost in a heartbreaker that that was the two new England. That's right. Um, Another Vinatieri kick in the game. Off, right. So, I mean, he, but I was optimistic when John Fox came here. Cause I, you know, I had been working in Kansas city and covered games where Fox was, uh, you know, playing the chiefs in Denver. And I, I was impressed with him the way he handled himself in the post games. And, but I just clearly got, uh, I got, I got media snowed in or, or snowballed by a one press conference where I really liked him and thought he'd do a good job. <laughs> and I was wrong. You know, they, you know what they say about winning the press conference, right? He won, he won me over Brady. <laughs> I was excited when John Fox got hired here, and then obviously it did not work out. Right, right. I don't know if you're in the uh, the prediction business, Carm, but uh, what, what do you got for Sunday? Do the, do the Bears go down to the Big Easy and get it done? I, at this moment, at 728 on a Thursday night, ahead of Northwestern in Illinois on 720 WGN, in an outstanding Carm 
first half update and, and halftime report. I've got the Bears losing to the Saints 31-17. to 17. I think that's fair. I, I haven't I actually haven't seen the line, but I would imagine it's somewhere 10. in the neighborhood. Of, it's 10? Yep. Wow. I would have thought 7, 7.5, but 10. I mean, I guess, you know, home game for the Saints, and plus it's the Saints against the Bears. So, wow, 10 points. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, well, that's that's Bears and Saints. I, I did want to, Carm, touch on, um, you know, some of the some of the industry stuff with, you know, uh, COVID. It's been almost a year now since the uh, the pandemic overtook our lives, and uh, one of the businesses that it, it seems to have affected, um, you know, quite uh, quite largely is is the media business. So I, I'm curious to to get your perspective on on the media, on radio, on, on what you're doing there at Fansided, and uh, just how it's affected your your business. Yeah, it's been scary, man. You know, you're, they are definitely, and that's always seems to be the case, by the way, but it always feels like they're cutting costs where they can and trying to, you know, keep the bottom line as, as fresh as possible. Uh, but, you know, when advertisers are, are going away and you have so much uncertainty, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's scary for the corporations. Then it obviously becomes scary for all of us. Uh, I, you know, I personally have been fortunate to survive to this point. Um, and it has opened up, you know, just technology, the way things are, you know, we're sitting here doing this on zoom. Mm -hmm. And if I look back on 2020, I mean, you know, one of the coolest things, at least for me was the last dance and, Oh, I can get BJ Armstrong on a zoom. I can get Will Perdue on a zoom Horace Grant. Well, you know, you like, like that level of availability and people with time on their hands, you know, what was hadn't, it was never like that. So there was, you know, some ways in which that you could capitalize on what was going on. Um, you know, I, I got Mark Cuban on a zoom and all sorts of stuff. So, but it, at the same time, you're always wondering, like, well, am I going to be the next one to go? Because it just kept moving around, and and major, major corporations, uh, you know, ESPN, laying off valued, well-established, talented, hardworking, putting out good content employees. That's super scary, right? Right. So... Yeah, it's um, uh, the clock doesn't stop in radio, right? You still gotta the the show must go on, sort of thing. I, I've I've been impressed, you know, now that I'm on the outside looking in, um, impressed with the ability of the entire industry to adapt. TV, radio. I mean, did you see Kirk Herbstreit set up for the uh, the semifinal game last week? I didn't see him. What was he doing? He about eight monitors in front of him, and he did oh, this all sure. in his living room. I mean, yep. it, it's it's a national broadcast where you, if you weren't, if you didn't know, you wouldn't be able to tell that he was at home in his living room. That's been an amazing thing too, where I'm listening to this, you know, whatever Dave Ennett on, on WGN doing a Northwestern game or Benetti and Stone doing White Sox. Uh, it does not sound like they're not there, which. I don't think we don't want teams to get the idea that we can't travel anymore because guys want to, you know. Well, that's what I'm wondering, too. Like, it's I'm sure they're saving a boatload of money not sending broadcaster teams on the road. No doubt. 
no doubt. And do we really need to do that going forward? And on the other side of the coin, I mean, you know, once you've done it a lot on the broadcasting side, the concept that, oh, I can do this from home and get paid the same amount and I don't have to travel. Maybe guys don't hate that a whole lot, right? Right. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's benefits to it. Uh, and you're not doing it from home in, in most cases, but okay. So I'm, I'm going into the NBC sports studio. I'm not getting on a flight. I'm not staying at the Hilton. I'm not, you know, it's a lot easier lift and, Oh, I can also, like I saw Adam means doing a bulls game in Sacramento. And then the next day he's doing college basketball and then he's back, you know, he, you yeah, can he's, do, uh, I'm watching Indiana and Wisconsin right now. He's doing Indiana and right. Wisconsin. He's doing the game. Is he doing the bulls after that? I mean, you know, it's uh, so, so it's, I'm sorry, the Bulls aren't playing tonight, but you get the point. For like, sure. uh, this is, you know, you, how many games can you do in a week? He's got Bulls Lakers tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the Bulls are in LA, right there. Cause they're yeah. out West right now. They're in LA. So I, I guarantee you, he wouldn't go from Sacramento to Madison, Wisconsin, back to LA in a normal, normal setting. Nope. Be too much. Yeah, absolutely. Carm, what else is going on? What else you got going at Fanside? What, what are you doing? Uh, you're doing a lot of video stuff, aren't you? I, I am. I am. Uh, you know, interesting coming into 2021 here, how to raise the bar, Brady. I've got uh, <laughs> I've got the Windy City podcast that we're just had Mike Berman from NBC5 on. We talked some bears, some of the conversation we had tonight. Uh, Mike's a really good dude. You should check it out uh, if you have time. I, I'm doing Carm, 365 Days of Carm, which reminds me, I have to do that video today. It's late in the day. Um, and I think I'm going to do a heartfelt one about just yesterday. So, um, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, looking for just whatever the next big things are going to be this year. Um, look, you know, Super Bowl week, uh, is not normally we're, we're down wherever the game is. And mm -hmm. last year I got to sit with uh, Martha Stewart and also <laughs> MC hammer and Just it name was a drop of, it on the first episode of my podcast. Thank you. Yes. There we go. So I, you know, I asked Martha how often I need to make my bed. All that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So be this careful how be much advice you take from a Martha Stewart. Right. Right. This year is a whole lot of zoom. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, and and radio wise, you know, hopefully uh, get to hear me on the air some, uh, doing talk shows, and uh, of course around Northwestern we got Hamp and OB coming up on on Tuesday night. We'll keep that rolling as long as the Bears are in the playoffs. Absolutely, and uh, you know, it's it had to have been weird for you, knowing what I know about you, um, to do White Sox pre and post, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just like some of the greatest announcers in the history of the city who have made the, the, the change from, you know, to Harry Carey, to Steve Stone, to Len Casper, Len Casper now to, I mean, like literally, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Rick Hahn grew up a Cubs fan. Now he's, uh, I don't think he is rooting for the Cubs anymore. No. So I, I enjoyed jumping on the White Sox, man. I had a ton of fun with it. Um, Was it easier to, to do those broadcasts for you since, you know, you weren't, uh, a White Sox fan growing up, like were you were you able to be a little bit more? I don't know if objective's the the right word, but were were you able to put together a better broadcast because of that? I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, I quickly once you're if you're around a team a lot, you instantly, at least for me, become a fan of the team because you get to know the guys and 
you appreciate the opportunity. So, I, I mean, I was super invested, uh, you know, still am. I, I hope they, I hope they have an incredible season. It's, it's going to be a fun summer baseball more so probably on the South side than the North side. Oh, this, there's no question. But, you know, when I was in Kansas City for two years, Brady, I was all in on the Royals. So, yeah. uh, and I saw that thing coming. I was telling people, like, yeah, I, I'm just letting you know, Kansas City's got this guy by the name of Eric Hosmer, and then they got this third base with Mike Moustakis, and um, there's this guy, Lorenzo Cain, who's playing well down there. Like, they were, it was obvious they were on the way, and yep. they won the, won the World Series. Zobris was on that team, right? Yeah, he got there after I was there, but uh, there was just a there was a plethora of talent, and they had more coming. I'm like, these guys, this is trouble. They, yeah. they've, they've they've hit on it. Um, it's similar to you know what you could see with the White Sox that this is this is coming, and uh, and it is, and it's now it's here. La- last thing before I let you go, this just popped into my head. What, what's your take on Larusa and and how he's going to fit in with this group? You know, when it when it first came down, I was. A little apprehensive, and then I was like, "Oh, let's not judge a book by its cover. Let's let's wait and see how it plays out." But on the surface, at least, it doesn't seem like Tony Larusa fits with this group of young players. It was definitely not the hire that I was expecting. I thought AJ Hinch was getting that job, but I was irritated by the rhetoric out there that. Tony's old and baseball has changed and he's not going to be able to keep up. The guy's the third most winningest manager in all of baseball. I rode the elevator with him last season or the last season when he could be in, in the ballpark, you know, there he is at, at guaranteed rate field, you know, with the diamondbacks, uh, you know, around the game, the, don't tell me that Tony La Russa can't figure out that, oh, it's more about velocity now and they're getting guys up in the zone with the fastball and spin rate. And I mean, come on, this is not, you know, the, a lot of the seam heads out there, they think that they understand something that, uh, that others don't. And right. believe me, Tony La Russa is going to be able to get up to speed about what's going on. And, um, and I think he'll develop a bond with the Sox players maybe it goes sideways, but I don't think so. I think, look, and I liked Ricky a lot, but the White Sox did not have a strategic edge in their dugout. They just didn't. And they will with Tony. So uh, I, 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 I'm optimistic that it'll work out for him. So that's, how, that's how I see it. Ricky Renneria, the best opening act in all of baseball. There you go. There you go. Great guy. Huge fan. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I believe it. He seems like nothing but, nothing but good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Uh, I think I think the White Sox have upgraded here as far as you know pure straight. But he, like the players did love Ricky, so for whatever that's worth it, um, you know Tony's got will have some ground to cover on that front. Yeah, definitely. All right, Carm, I've taken up too much of your Thursday night. Uh, go get ready for that that Cats broadcast. What are you on halftime and uh, updates? What what do you got? That's it, baby. That's it. Excellent. Let's, Cats in Illinois, and I'll see if Northwestern can. Uh, that should be a good one, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cats have dropped their last two. Illinois, I don't know how they're going to guard Kofi Coburn. Uh, Cats don't have uh, your traditional big. But then again, Coburn's got to go out and chase Pete Nance, who's been playing some great basketball for the Cats. So it'll be interesting. Excellent. Illinois, I think, is a seven-point favorite tonight. Excellent. At the Carm on Twitter, because as Connor McKnight would say, the man needs an article. Fan sided, WGN Radio. Any, anything I'm leaving out, Carm? You, no, you got it, Brady. You, thank Excellent. you, brother. Yeah, Thanks thank for, you. You're the, you're the best. I appreciate it. I got you, brother. All Be right. good.
we ran some pretty good offense for the majority of the game, but it's a difficult game, no question to score. They're a very good team on both ends of the floor. And um, our execution late's what killed us. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we need to be a little sharper as we came down the home stretch. And uh, But we had our chances. Archie Miller there on the Hoosiers' most recent loss on the hardwood to Wisconsin earlier this week. And uh, thanks to the Hoosier Network for that audio. Uh, if you know anything about me, you know I am an Indiana University graduate, which means I am a, uh, a fan of Indiana University sports. Um, the Hoosiers uh, just finished up an exciting football season and are in the midst of a gauntlet of a Big Ten season. And uh, here to discuss that a little bit, uh, Crimson Cast host Galen Clavio. Galen, welcome. Thank you, Brady. Good to be on. And uh, I know I had mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier in the week, um, circa 2005, 2006, um, you were once my uh, my teacher. I think you were in maybe the first or second college class I ever taught. <laughs> that was that was a long time ago. I've been doing it for about 15 years yeah. now, but I... I absolutely remember you, and uh, yeah, it's I'm you know it's always heartening when people were in my class and are going on and, and doing things in sports media. So that's great. <laughs> well, I, I got to be honest, you know, I, I uh, graduated '09 um, and then worked in radio for five years or so, and then you know got out of the business um, and decided to only just recently actually. Um, just sort of start putting my thoughts on record again and, and, and going from there. It, it, I got to be honest, though, it feels like riding a bike, just jumping right back yeah. into it. That's essentially what I did. I, I was in the business for about five years. I went back, got my Ph.D., and then we started Crimson Cast back in like 08 or 09. And, you know, it was like you, like I'd been doing it the whole time. And so, yeah, th I think once you learn how to do these things, they don't really go away. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. We're half an episode in recording the second half here this morning it is saturday morning uh the day of colts and uh bills we'll we'll touch on that at the very end here i want to get your thoughts on that but uh galen you are the director of sports media that that program at indiana university and and since i was there i know a lot's changed with um the program the building you're in um, an infusion of cash from uh, our favorite Mark Cuban. Uh, tell us a little bit about what life has been like over the last few years there in Bloomington with the program. And then specifically uh, 2020, I, I can imagine, was uh, a year in academia and, and in Bloomington in general like you've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, the I'll touch on the second part first. It's been the strangest year that I've had in teaching. And like I said, I've been doing it for, you know, almost two decades now. It's... It's just really odd. We've had to transition so many of the things that we do to online. I'm teaching exclusively online. I know a lot of others are as well. And a lot of our regular sports media opportunities haven't been there. Like there haven't been a lot of games that we can send students to cover. Right. There, there just hasn't been a lot of content. So we've been trying with, uh, with a lot of what we're doing to move things more online, to learn how to use zoom more effectively to create content and do things like that so you know look it's a, it's been a struggle but the students have been gamers with all of this they've been you know right there working with us figuring out how to make it happen and i think they did some great stuff this year um sports media wise i mean it is night and day from what it was when you were in school or i mean i, I did my undergraduate here in the late 1990s and it was it always felt like we were several steps behind the big boys. And I think we're right with the big boys. Now we are one of the big boys. The, their facilities are incredible. 
the merger of the different units into the media school has made all the difference in the world that we have a state-of-the-art studio for television. We have state-of-the-art podcasting studios. We have a huge newsroom and just so many opportunities for students to do things specifically with sports writing and sports broadcasting. So it's a really great time to be here. I am pleased that we are where we're at. I'm looking forward to doing more as we move forward. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear it. You know, it's 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 always it's always nice to see your alma mater getting better and, and doing bigger things. I mean, that's that's the reason I chose Indiana University. I, I can remember back to when I was in high school and um, my my dad took me to a job fair at a local community college here and um, all the Big Ten schools were represented. Uh, I knew I wanted a big school. Um, for my for my college choice, and Indiana was the only one, at least that night, um, that had a specific sports communication program. So that's that's right. why Indiana quickly became my number one, and um, yeah, I don't regret it at all. So uh, awesome, glad to hear it. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, football season, and then we'll jump into basketball. Um, it, it's it's kind of a it, well, it's it's it is a damn shame that. Um, fans were largely unable to witness what may be the, uh, can we call it the greatest IU football season of all time, Galen? It's not quite there. I think it's in the top five, certainly, but, uh, I think they needed to win the bowl game for it to be in contention for the best one ever. Yeah. And, uh, that, that bowl game, of course, the, the season ended on a bit of a dud losing to Ole Miss in the, uh, the Outback Bowl, uh, just a week ago. Uh, if you can believe that I, a lot's happened in our world since, uh, since Indiana lost that bowl game, uh, just a week ago. But, um, you know, when, the, when that matchup was announced and as we were waiting for bowl matchups to come out and, and teams kept getting eliminated from, uh, contention, so to speak, in, in matching up with Indiana. And we finally landed on Ole Miss and immediately, you know, my, my head went to Lane Kiffin and, you know, just how respected of an offensive mind he is. And while Indiana's defense is good, Lane Kiffin is a mastermind. And um, sure enough, you know, the, the the Ole Miss offense, while not spectacular, was was good enough. Yeah, it was one of those things where, first of all, that was going to be a tough draw, I think, for most teams, just because of how unusual Lane Kiffin's offense is. It's kind of like the old Kevin Wilson offenses at Indiana, but on steroids. Uh, just just so much tempo and just a really well-drilled quarterback. I thought Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, was right on his game throughout. I honestly thought that the Indiana defense did about as well as they could do. They were one of only three teams to hold Ole Miss to under 30 points. The other two teams that did that this year won in because I think their offense ultimately let them down. And I was there. I was at, I was in the stadium, uh, watched the whole thing. It was it was frustrating, not just because they lost, but because when they finally dedicated themselves to the run, right about halfway through the third quarter, they suddenly started moving down the field with almost impunity, and they just ran out of time. Uh, you know, and I and I I really do believe if they had just dedicated themselves to the run early on, uh, that they probably would have won by ten or fourteen points. Yeah, and um, you know, Stevie Scott had uh, a great second half, and, and you're right. They moved the ball at will, trying to make a comeback, and, and, and ultimately fell short. They tied the game up with, what, was it like two and a half minutes left to play? And, you know, 30 seconds later, Ole Miss is back in the end zone, missing the extra points, which, yeah. um, you know, obviously opened a door of opportunity there for, for the Hoosiers, but... Uh, that drive sputtered and and some play calling issues and, and you know I, I don't want to dwell too much on the bowl game itself um, 
because the this, this season as a whole was a major net positive for the program. Yeah, it was. It was one of those seasons that we've asked for for years from Indiana. You know, I, normally I think we judge success on, hey, they won six or seven games in a 12-game season, and they go to a minor bowl. And you know, last year, they win eight games, they go to the Gator Bowl. Everybody's thinking, wow, that was great, but there'll probably be a regression the following year. And then this year, there just was no regression. This was a season like Minnesota had the previous year where they won nine or ten games. And, and we, you know, we see this every once in a while, and it just never seems to happen to Indiana football. And this year it happened. And as disappointing as the bowl loss was, I think it is important to not lose sight of how successful this season was, how well Indiana played, how many demons they were able to slay, whether that was winning at Wisconsin for the first time in two decades or beating Michigan for the first time since the 80s or beating Penn State. Even if those teams weren't as good as they would be in a normal year, those are still major accomplishments for this program. Yeah, absolutely. It it kind of reminds me, you know, this the trajectory of this team and this program kind of reminds me of, of when Terry Hepner was, you know, uh, the, the coach of the Hoosiers back. It was, I think, my freshman year might have been his first year. Um, and then, of course, tragically, you know, Terry got, got sick and passed away, and um, the program sort of took a, a step back after that. So, um, you know, it, it's taken a while to get back to this point. Um, so I, I guess taking a look at the 20, 20, uh, 2020 season and the future, where, where does IU now go from here, right? I, I'm, how do we build upon 2020 and make sure it wasn't a fluke? And I got to imagine, Galen, your answer starts with Tom Allen. It does. Absolutely. I mean, Tom Allen is the centrifugal force around which this program operates. He is able to instill a passion and a loyalty in his players that, you know, I'm sure it exists in many places, but it's what you need at a place like Indiana where that has not always been the case. Like guys have to want to go out and play for their coach here. They have to want to come to Indiana in the first place because it's just not a natural location for people to want to go play football it's historically you know the losingest power five program in the country and you know alan's ceaseless energy and you know his just how much he obviously loves his players and the 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 reciprocity there is pretty remarkable to see and so you know I, i think it's that i think building on things looking at the roster they've got a lot of guys coming back next year that we weren't totally sure about you know, most notably, I think Ty Freifogel just last night. Yeah, he's coming back. You've seen several other important players announced that they're coming back. Uh, you know, and you've still got people debating as to whether they're coming back. I know Wap Fillier's still thinking about it. I think uh, so. There's there's a lot of pieces returning, and this is an unusual thing for Indiana. Normally, when they have a great season, they're losing a bunch of people to graduation. You know, because they've got a bunch of seniors. This is not the case this year. This team only had. I think 12 or 13 seniors on the roster and most of their biggest contributors were juniors or sophomores. And even the seniors don't need to leave because of the extra year of eligibility that right. the NCAA gave everybody. So all of that said, I think the biggest thing for Indiana is they have to continue to clean up areas of their game that were sloppy this year. And what I, what I think of that, I mostly think of offensive line play and play calling which while Indiana won, you know, seven games and they were right there in the mix of things at the end, I felt like they left a lot on the table in terms of, of explosiveness on offense, in terms of being able to score early and often and put games out of reach. 
in, even in games where they were demonstrably better than their opponent, they just struggled to put teams away. And so I think if they had a whole offseason to work on that, they get the same personnel in place, that's going to really help as they move forward. Well, let's see what happens with the quarterback position too, right? Michael Penix going out against, was it Maryland that uh, that his injury happened? Yes. Um, so he, he's out with a torn ACL. We'll see how quickly he can return to play. Um, Jack Tuttle um, played well for a backup quarterback. And, and as we know, as we found out after the Ole Miss uh, bowl game, he, you know, a separated shoulder that he played through. Um, I, I don't know how, but he did. Um, and then <clears throat> as we take a look at the recruiting class, Indiana's got this six foot five freshman out of Lawrence North coming in uh, that I would assume would be able to compete for a job if he doesn't redshirt. Yeah, I think a quarterback, it starts and ends with Penix because he's so talented. And I think a lot of the problems that Indiana saw on offense in their last couple of games just showed how much they relied on him making throws that other people can't make. And the big question with Penix, unfortunately, is can he make it through a whole season? He's yet to do that. He's suffered right. three season-ending injuries in the three years he's played for IU. It would, it's, and it's, it's no 100% guarantee that he's even going to be ready to start the season next year. That's, that's a tough injury to come back from when it's a, a repeat tear on an ACL. But I think the ceiling on IU's 2021 campaign lies largely on how well he's able to come back. I think Jack Tuttle's going to get better. I think that he's got all of the tools and look, the kid played with a separated shoulder for the second half of that old miss game. He's obviously tough, right? I just, I, you know, it's going to really take continued dialing in of being able to, to read things and make throws. And we don't even know when he suffered, suffered the shoulder injury. It was obvious that his throws were way off whenever he was throwing more than about 10 yards. And so uh, look, I think the quarterback room is in pretty good shape. I just, you know, whenever you go into a season and your starting quarterback in Penix is an injury risk and your backup quarterback has still only played in two games, essentially two and a half, I guess, um, you, you've got to be a little bit concerned there. And so I'm curious to see what Indiana does on that front. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It's a long time before September, but uh, I suppose we'll get all our, we'll get our answer then. Uh, last thing before we move indoors to the hardwood, um, the Big Ten as a whole, obviously 2020 COVID. Um, the cynic in me says Indiana was good because the Big Ten was bad, right? Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State all down. Um, and, of, of course, we have Ohio State in the division. Um, the Big Ten East, as it stacks up, is almost prohibitive for Indiana to ever be good. You know, if, and this is how this is how these things happen, right? This is how Indiana gets pigeonholed into being, you know, the worst team in the conference or among the worst teams in the conference is because the competition is so high. Well, in 2020, it wasn't. Um, do we think moving forward, obviously, with Harbaugh coming back to Michigan, maybe that signals a good thing for the Hoosiers? Um, I don't know. But, I mean, the conference down as a whole in 2020, probably going to rebound in 2021, I would imagine. I would think so. But, look, I think a couple of things are, are key with that. One is a lot of the issues Indiana's had with playing the big boys is that they never really had anything to point to that said, we can beat these teams. I mean, I think the, the best team Indiana's beaten in the last 10 years has probably been, I don't know, Michigan state, Iowa. I think they've done that once each, you know, meanwhile, you know, every time they go into a Michigan game, they have to think about, well, we haven't as a program beaten this program since 1987. Now they don't have to think that. 
they know that they walked into the, the horseshoe and were within seven points of Ohio State in the fourth quarter with the ball. They, they know that they can compete in this conference. And a lot of this game is belief. It's, you know, it's having a feeling that you can do something. And I think that's where a lot of Indiana teams have fallen down in the past is when it got down to brass tacks in the fourth quarter, a Michigan or an Ohio State believed that they could win. And I don't know that Indiana always did. And they seem to believe it now. Um, you know, look, I think that the key thing to remember is the there's not that big of a gap between an Indiana and a Michigan or an Indiana and a Michigan State. You know, talent-wise, there's a bigger gap between like Indiana and Ohio State. Penn State's certainly up there, I think, in terms of overall talent. But Indiana's got experience coming back. They've got guys who have been through the wars, know how to play in the Big Ten. And I, I can't chalk all of Indiana's success up to just it being a fluke year because everybody else was going through the same thing Indiana was. And so, look, we don't know what the schedule is going to look like as of yet. I think it's going to get rejiggered quite a bit because – there's like Indiana can't host Michigan three years in a row. They can't go to Michigan state three years in a row. So there's going to be a lot of changes in terms of what the schedule looks like, but I like Indiana's chances next year to win, you know, five, six, maybe even seven games in, in the conference out of nine. And, you know, if they compare that with a good non-conference performance, then I think they're right back up there probably not in the college football playoff or even the New Year's Six discussion, but they're probably back in the conversation for the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl, something like that. Yeah, hopefully the momentum continues. That's um, that's going to make our, our fall season a lot more enjoyable rather than just turning a game on and, and turning it off 30 minutes later like we have in the past. Uh, let's move indoors. Uh, the source of many Hoosier fans' frustration is seemingly always the basketball team, um, and this year seems to be no different. Um, a roller coaster ride is how I initially described this season to myself so far, but it feels a little bit more disappointing than that or deflating than that so far. I think the biggest challenge with this Indiana basketball team is they're almost there. It feels like in, in most games, you know, if a few things go a different direction, maybe they win the game. The problem is that doesn't get you anywhere. Like, they, you know, they, they gave a, a great effort in that Wisconsin game. It's still a loss. Like, that's, they're not going to get brownie points for that at the end of the season. And, you know, you look at what happened, you know, like in that Michigan State-Purdue game last night where – Similar sort of situation. Purdue actually played worse for the balance of the game, but they found a way back in it, and then they found a way to win at the end, and that's something that Indiana couldn't do against Wisconsin. And they couldn't do it against Illinois. They couldn't do it against Northwestern. It, it's, uh, it's definitely a season where you have to just feel a lot of frustration about how Indiana loses games and even, frankly, in the games that they win, they haven't looked that impressive, uh, you know, with the exception of the two games that were in Asheville. So I, I don't think the season's over by any means. They've got a great chance to pick up a win this weekend against Nebraska. And I think we might have seen the key to Indiana's success a bit in that Wisconsin game, which is just a, a significantly increased aggression on offense. The, what, what stuck out to me on that game was – you know, we know Trace Jackson Davis wants to score, but suddenly it looked like Al Durham really wanted to score. Rob Finnessy really wanted to score. Uh, you know, Anthony Leal came off the bench and was not afraid to shoot. Those were really important things because it 
it's always felt like with this team, there's a, there's a timidity on offense. There, there's a real hesitancy to go to the basket or shoot. They, they run things down on the shot clock quite a bit. And then they don't necessarily get great shots because everybody's kind of just passing around waiting for somebody else to score. So right. I'm, I'm encouraged by that, but I'm also kind of frustrated that, you know, we're essentially a third, almost a halfway through the season. And that is still an issue. Like the idea that somebody would be aggressive on offense is still something we have to hope for. <laughs> I, I've always um, equated it to uh, five guys playing together on court seven at the hyper for the first time on a Tuesday night. Right. I mean, yeah. they're just like playing pickup ball out there. Um, and it's, I know, I know Archie is, is uh, seemingly more defensively minded but I mean this team has to score the basketball I mean you're not going to win games just by playing defense yeah I mean look I think that it brings a, a big issue to the forefront which is that the shots they're taking are pretty good overall if you, if you think about where the most efficient shots are on the court in college basketball in 2020 2021 they're taking the shots that they should be taking for the most part, but they're not going in. And, and a lot of that I think is a lack of confidence, not with everybody. You know, you, we've seen Armand Franklin burst out and go out there and, you know, score 15, 20 points a game because he looks confident in his shot and confident in his ability. And so while I agree with you that Archie Miller's more of a defensive minded coach and they've been great on defense this year. Let's, let's not undersell that they're ninth in the country in defensive efficiency, which is a significant improvement over last year. But you know, even offensively, the system doesn't look terrible, but the players look like they lack confidence in what they're doing. And that's a real concern. And that's something that frankly has been pretty consistent throughout the entire Archie Miller era is that you'll have one guy on the, the floor that looks like they want to score. And then generally you'll have three or four other guys just kind of waiting for that person to do something. That's not really conducive to winning games in the big 10 where every possession counts. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this freshman class. Cause I think it's, it's, it's been interesting the way it's played out. Um, you know, the, the headliner uh, sort of late in the game was Christian Lander reclassifying to come to Bloomington. Um, but Trey Galloway has been the one that's emerged with the majority of the minutes. Yeah, I think my my read on Lander is that he's just not physically ready at this point to play at this level. And that was always that's always a concern. You know, he's obviously a very talented player, but he's supposed to be a senior in high school right now. And you know, his shot is off all the time. He's he's shooting 25% from three and 11% from two. Uh, I mean, that's, that's not good. Um, he's, he's not really passing the ball that well. He's, his assist rate is pretty good, but he's also turning the ball over on a quarter of his possessions. Uh, so I think Lander's got a lot of potential, a lot of promise. I just don't know that we're going to see that much of it this year because he's so much of a defensive liability. And frankly, he's not that great on offense either. Uh, the other players though, as you mentioned, have been really, uh, I think, entertaining to watch. Trey Galloway has certainly been a spark plug from an energy perspective. He has done a lot to up the level, I think, defensively for IU, and, and certainly offensively, he at least gets things moving. Uh, Anthony Leal, we've seen very little of, but what we've seen has gotten progressively better, and I think we'll probably see him emerge as a bigger part of things 
down the stretch here because he can shoot the ball. And he, you know, if we take what we saw in that Wisconsin game as any evidence, he's not afraid to shoot it. And I think that that's something that's in short supply with this team. Jordan Geronimo, I mean, he's, he's really bad offensively. He turns the ball over a lot. But I think defensively, they're going to need him because they're so thin up front right now. And you're going to need a guy like Geronimo to come in and be able to park himself in the lane and battle against some of the bigger bodies that you'll see in the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm interested to see what we're going to get from Anthony Leal. You know, assuming Armand Franklin not ready to play tomorrow against Nebraska uh, with that ankle injury. Um, I haven't seen one way or the other, but, you know, the fact that he sat out the the Wisconsin game doesn't bode well. Um, So he's almost playing out of necessity. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what he get. uh, We'll see what we get from him. Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana and and had rarely cracked the Hoosiers lineup uh, until uh, earlier this week against Wisconsin. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Archie Miller and the situation that that he's in now in what year four now with the Hoosiers and, um, you know, the Hoosiers have a new athletic director, but not new to the school and the program. You know, Scott Dolson was under under Fred Glass and was in on the hiring process with Archie Miller. But Galen, at what point does Scott Dolson say, "Okay, now I'm in charge"? How long of a leash does Archie Miller get? It's a reasonable question because I think everybody expects incremental improvement with this IU basketball team, you know, I think the people that are making decisions, they're not expecting, you know, some kind of miraculous turnaround, but I do think that they're expecting the outcome to get better every year. And there hasn't been a lot this year to really get you excited about the trajectory of the program. You know, you've, you've got, you know, this continued offensive issue, you're coming up relatively short in a lot of these games. I don't think anything happens this year with Archie Miller. And, and I think this is such a weird year anyway with COVID and just with this, the weird schedules and everything getting moved around. I don't think you could think of making a change this time around, but I think that everybody's disappointed. And I think that for fans, it, I mean, they're, they're pretty much done with this era. Now, that's probably fair to some degree, but it's also one of those situations where it's, you know, what the, the real decision makers here are, are the people that are looking at it from the inside. And I think at this point, not making the tournament this year puts a tremendous amount of pressure on next year because at that point, you know, the Archie Miller's buyout drops significantly at the end of next season. And I don't know how you could justify uh, having a coach stay if, if they don't not just make the tournament the you know, that next year, but also advance pretty far in it because the, the whole idea here was, okay, they're going to, there's going to be a complete reboot. There's going to be a refocus on defense. And that is going to be the cornerstone of what Indiana basketball is all about, which everybody was very comfortable with. But what's happened is, the reboot on defense has been successful, but the offense has just never picked up the slack. And it's creating a situation, I think, where even though in my mind and in my heart, I think what Archie Miller is doing is working, and I think it's probably the way, it's it's also hard to get really excited about the product on the floor when they're just not consistently able to produce. Uh, you know, now that said, that Wisconsin game, could have been a turning point, even though they lost, the effort level was tremendously higher. They're still in contention. I honestly think if they go 
500 or even a game under 500 in the conference in the regular season that they'll make the NCAA tournament because their Ken Palm rating is so high. They're doing all the right things metrics wise. Um, but it's hard to get excited again about a team that's a game under 500 in the conference. And I think that that's, that's weighing really heavily, uh, most likely on the decision makers' minds as they think about the future of the program. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, the, the conference this year and for the last few years, honestly, has, has been an, an absolute gauntlet. A lot of great players, a lot of great programs in the Big Ten. And, and that's certainly uh, part of the challenge for Indiana. You know, I, I almost think about it like this. Um, I guess we're close to 12 years now since Indiana essentially started from scratch. Right. Tom Crean comes in. He starts that next season with two scholarship players. Kyle Tabor and Brett Finkelmeyer, if those names ring a bell for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that, w- that was my senior – I always tell people I'm, I'm, my class is the only class in Indiana history to have had four head basketball coaches in four years, Mike Davis, Calvin Sampson, Dan Dockich, and Tom Crean. So, you know, Tom Crean coming in, essentially starting from scratch, building the program up to being number one in the nation and a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, um, and now we're here. You know, how, how do we get so high and then regress – so far is is that all on Archie Miller well I think a lot of it has to do with I don't know if it's I don't think it's all on Archie Miller because the you know a lot of that regression happened under Tom Crean you know the if people forget like even in the year that they won the Big Ten title in 2016 they were that was a team that started very poorly. They they lost those games in Maui and people didn't really get excited about that team and believe in it until very late in the process of that season. And then the next year they were right back to missing the tournament and being in the NIT. It was just, there, there was very little gravity to the last years of the Tom Crean era. And a lot of that had to do with recruiting choices. A lot of it had to do with just, kind of an unsustainable style of play. Archie Miller, I think, has made some recruiting mistakes himself. I think he's had some bad luck with injuries. But ultimately, if you're a head coach at a place like Indiana, you have to be able to overcome those things. And when you look at the trajectory of the program, they just appear to be a mid-level Big Ten team, which that's hard to take if you're Indiana basketball. But Unfortunately, I think it's also where Indiana basketball has largely been over the last 20 years. There have been some peaks. Now, you talked about the, you know, the, the, the best Tom Crean teams of 2012 and 2013. You had the, the Kelvin Sampson year that, that was destroyed in February of that year of 2008. You had Mike Davis going to the national championship game. But there has been a lot of mediocre or bad basketball that's happened since 2000 when Bob Knight was fired. And even before that, even in those last four or five years of Bob Knight, IU was kind of a mid-tier program. So I think it's not just on Archie Miller. I think the, the program spends a lot of money, but I think that there's, there's an organizational approach that probably needs to be reconsidered as far as where does IU want basketball to be? Do they, wanna, do they feel like they're part of the elite, that they should be among the Kentuckys and the Kansases and the North Carolinas of the world? If that's the case, they need to take a hard look at what those programs are doing and, and start imitating those again. Because, you know, Indiana's done it. They were that way in the 70s and 80s. They were that way in the 40s and 50s. Uh, but you, you really have to, I think, either have – you have to have the right person in the job and you have to really dedicate the program top to bottom to being at that level. 
I know athletics has tried with this. I think everybody's a little bit confused as to why it's not working out better, but um, you know, something's still not working right. And I, I think that uh, there's going to have to be a lot of evaluation to figure out, okay, how do we get this thing to the level that everybody wants it to be? Right. Right. Last question on basketball here before um, I get your thoughts on today's Colts and bills game. Um, you kind of alluded to it a, a couple, a couple questions ago. Um you know, whether they make the tournament or not and, and what it does going forward. But what is the ceiling for this team? I mean, are, are we talking NCAA tournament one and done? Are we talking NIT? Like, what, what, what are we looking at here? Oh, I think this team could, could make the tournament. I think that they're – I mean, look, here's the thing. They're two and three right now. If they beat Nebraska this week, they'll be three and three. And they're still projected to be in that 9, 11, 10, and 10 range. That's going to get you into the tournament because of, of how good their strength of schedule is overall. And I think this is a team that could win a game in the NCAA tournament. Their defense is strong enough that if they play defense well and they can avoid the big scoring gaps that they've been facing in some of these games, uh, I think they've got a chance to, you know, they, they, I could see them probably with that record as a, a nine seed, a 10 seed. So at that point you're playing an eight seed or a seven seed. Those are, you know, outside the top 25 or fringe top 25 teams. I think they could, they could certainly do that. And if they got really lucky, maybe they could make a sweet 16. I think that's probably unlikely. Um, but that's, I think where this team is at right now. And they're, you know, I think a lot of is going to, a lot of it's going to come down to holding serve at home and then being able to, figure out a way to uh, to squeeze out a couple of victories on the road. They've got some really intriguing games down the stretch. They have some brutal stretches of their schedule. They've got a three-game stretch that they've got. They're at Michigan, and then they're home to Illinois and home to Iowa, which is just – that is just <laughs> nuts. Um, but, but, but they've got a relatively soft ending to the schedule. They've got Northwestern, Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan State, Rutgers, Michigan, and Purdue. That's their run out to the regular season. So, you know, even if they take some losses here early on, I think if they can get themselves back around 500, win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament, I think they'll be in the tournament at that point. And I think that we'll probably look back on this and, and say, well, that, sh that probably should have been better, but this is also kind of where we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, basketball season is always a, a fun roller coaster ride, even if it usually ends in, in disappointment. Um, before I let you go, uh, we're just a couple hours here from kickoff. Uh, Bills and Colts in uh, the first game of this wild card weekend. Um, Two-part question, uh, what happens today? And if the Colts season does end today, where do they go from here? So, you know, this is one of those scenarios that if I'm the Bills, I'm terrified. Not because I think the Colts are great, but because this is – a rarity it's a home bills playoff game they've played so well all season it kind of reminds me going back a long way like the first year the colts were really good with peyton manning they were like 13 and 3 they hosted a playoff game and the game that they hosted was the game against the tennessee titans the week after the music city miracle and you know this is a titans team that wasn't they were good but they weren't that good um, and the Colts just came out and absolutely laid an egg because they hadn't been in that position before. They, they really didn't know what it was like to be in the playoffs, to host a game, and Tennessee took advantage of that. I think 
I think the Bills are going to win the game. I think it's probably going to be relatively close because the Colts do a lot of things really well that the Bills are going to struggle with. They run the ball really well, and their defense has played well enough that I think they can keep some of the more versatile elements of the Bills offense in check. But, you know, as I've been telling people this week, uh, you know, please read me off a list of all of the great accomplishments in the playoffs by Philip Rivers. Uh, and I'll, I'll wait, you know, uh, it's, he's, you know, he's, he's a quarterback that has always struggled to take the final step. And I just don't see it happening on the road against Buffalo, uh, against a team with as good of a defense as they've got. So I think, you know, probably Colts have the ball with a chance to tie in the fourth quarter and there's an interception. Uh, I'll say bills win this one, like 27 to 20. And I think, you know, what that does for the Colts is, it puts them in a position where they need to figure out a long-term solution at quarterback. Uh, I thought as, as much as I was a bit down on the Rivers experiment early on, it it did what it needed to do. Uh, you know, he, he provided a steady enough hand throughout the course of the season, and they won 11 games, which in, in most seasons is going to win you a division title and maybe get you a bye in the first round. Here, it barely got them into the playoffs. It was that weird of a season. Uh, but I think they need to find – some kind of an answer at quarterback and I think they need to continue to uh to restock their you know their their various aspects of the team in the trenches I think on both lines I think they need to continue to get better uh and hopefully that ends up setting them up nicely for competing with the Tennessee Titans next year maybe winning the division and maybe having a chance to compete for for that one seed I think it's within the reach. I think all of the systems are there for the Colts. It's just a matter of uh, of continuing to strengthen what they've already got. Well, your scenario of uh, Colts with the ball and a chance to tie late um, agrees with what um, those in Las Vegas think. The spread is, as I look at it here this morning, at least on my app, is uh, Colts plus six and a half. So that that would uh, that would bear that would bear it out. Um, Galen, where where can we find Crimson Cast? Best place to find us is by subscribing on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. You can just search Crimson Cast. Uh, you'll see the, the Candy Stripe logo in there, the podcast. And we put out a lot of material. Uh, we do a lot of IU football and IU basketball podcasts on a pretty regular basis, at least a couple of week. We have a gambling podcast called Crimson Cash that is hosted by a, a couple of our folks and i highly recommend that if you're into the wagering at all and uh, you can also catch us on twitter we don't tweet all the time but we do tweet quite a bit about iu athletics and that's just at crimson cast there as well excellent well galen i'll let you get back to your saturday here i'm sure you have game day plans for the colts uh thank you so much for taking the time and uh, i'm sure we'll do it again soon sounds good thank you so there you have it Episode one of And We're Back, which is what I decided to call this thing. So thanks again to Mark Carmen of Fansided and WGN Radio and Galen Clavio from Crimson Cast for being the first guests on this show. Lots to talk about going forward. NHL and the Blackhawks start this week. Um, some Cubs news could be on the way. National Championship game on Monday. So plenty to digest from the sports world and beyond here as we move forward in the early part of 2021. Looking forward to doing this more often. Not sure how often we're going to do this. Just kind of uh, wait and see on that. But, um, but yeah, I enjoyed the first episode. Like I told Galen, it's like riding a bike. Getting right back on that bike and, and you know, like, like I hadn't ridden a bike in, in three years. I still know how to do it, right? 
Anyways, all right. Uh, this is available right now on Spotify. Uh, would appreciate likes, follow, subscribes, whatever those platforms allow. Um, Google Podcasts, hopefully Apple Podcasts soon. Um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm excited to do it. Excited to get back into it and uh, and have some fun with it. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk soon. <laughs>